This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe Sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better host, or if you're looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month absolutely free. And now, enjoy the show. ¿Qué tal amigos? Les habla el cero miedo de la lucha libre, Pentagon Junior, para mandar un saludo a todos mis amigos de este podcast, y ya saben, puro cero miedo. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling, with your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, our patron mailbag series. This is episode number 15. My name is Nick Howell. And I am Surrey and Dangerous. And yes, episode where our patrons ask us questions and we answer them. And that is how this works. If you would like to ask us a question for us to answer, you just go to patreon.com forward slash BWO and sign up and sign up for Patreon. Give us a little bit, yeah. throw us a little coin and help us do this show. Help us do all the things we want to do for this show. And you may ask us questions. It's that simple. And thank yes. you to everyone who has already signed up for our Patreon. You guys are the grease that runs the wheels of this show, and we very much appreciate all of the support in this endeavor that we are endeavoring to endeavor. Nick. Yes. Uh, Just $5 a month gets you in in the ability to ask your questions. And not only that, we have Royal Rumble coming up where current patron Pickham's champion Brian Average will be defending his Pickham's Challenge championship for the very first time. And to get in on that you also get the ability to participate in our pickups challenges for the big four pay-per-views all throughout the year. So it's not just listener questions. You also get access to show notes and you get the ability to participate in those pickup challenges for prizes and stuff and things, mm. all kinds of good stuff. And you know, just the notoriety to maybe you beat, maybe you beat Nick and Surrey and dangerous in the pickups that, that bragging, right? That ability, that street cred to go out. It hasn't happened yet where, Somebody beats both of us, but we're still waiting for that moment. It could still maybe happen. it'll be you. Maybe it'll be at the Royal Rumble next weekend. <sighs> but Ian, we got a lot of questions to get through today. We had a little bit of a long show. Thank you to everybody for no. joining us today. Thank you to everybody for joining us in our previous show, breaking down AEW, SmackDown, and NXT. But we're going to kick things off with former, former patron Pickham's champion, Andy Jessup. Ooh. He says, hey, guys, thanks to your excellent coverage. I'm so into New Japan now. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome to I, the club. <laughs> I experienced the same thing mm. when I had first started hanging out with Ian back in 2016 or 17, and he got me into the G1 in 2017 when we were doing the show, and my life was changed. He says, can you explain what exactly the Young Lions are in New Japan? What is their exact role, and why are they also ringside during regular matches also, who are the young lions we should keep an eye on for the future? 
Well, that's actually he semi answered his own question. Young Lions are the trainees, the guys who are graduating from the New Japan Dojo and sometimes now the LA Dojo, uh, right. who are they're right on the cusp of becoming something in New Japan. And they're basically the top of the class. And you can actually go back and see some of the top guys currently in New Japan as young lions if you go far enough back to see them when they were young lions. Tanahashi, uh, Ibushi, not Ibushi, but uh, sorry, Tanahashi. Um, i trying to think who else I, I saw recently as a young lion. Oh, uh, Taichi. Um, so the, a lot of those guys started off as young lions if you go through the New Japan system. Finn Balor was in the New Japan system at one point. So it's um, it's basically their next graduating class, and what they do ringside he, is he's probably Finn's probably the most famous one to come out of the LA dojo. Finn didn't uh, no no no, no Finn didn't come out of the LA dojo. The LA dojo is new. LA, LA dojo is within the last couple of years. It got started by um, uh, out here, and that's and that's a new thing. Um, okay, so yeah, I remember Kevin Kelly watching something where he came out of the dojo system, but it, it must he did have been the, in the Japan regular... the Japan system. Shibata started the okay. LA dojo out here recently. So okay. that's it's a new thing, and they're about to get their first graduate. I'm class. still learning, guys. Um, you know, Carl Fredericks and all those guys are coming out of the LA Dojo right now. They're their first graduating class, and they're that's why they're now sometimes functioning as young lions ringside as well. So, in fact, this last class of young lions looked really good. Shooter uh, Shoto Umino, who was hanging out with John Moxley, the the joke there was that Shota, like, a lot of times early in the shows, the young lions will get a shot at a match. And they're only allowed to wear like black trunks, very plain. They're not allowed to do anything fancy with their hair. Um, the idea is that they don't have a personality yet. And then they go out on excursion at a certain point. They get their personality. They come back as a fully formed gimmick. Um, so, and, and, you know, for example, this, of this last class, Shota Umino, who last time we saw him was wrestling in black trunks and black boots and was ta- being taken under Moxley's wing. He went out on excursion. He's currently in England uh, on excursion, and if you see him over there now, he's dressing a lot like Tanahashi now, where he's got really flashy clothes, and he's starting to make his hair a little more um, fancy, kind of feathery. Uh, they're, they're, he's putting on a little bit more muscle, so he's going he's gonna to come back, and instead of being you know, a young lion show, you know, he's going to be a full-fledged gimmick, and they're going to give him something to do and probably a push, depending on what they think of him when he comes back. Jay White went through the young lion system. When you go back and see young lion Jay White, he looks like a child and he came back from excursion two years ago as Switchblade Jay White and uh, had this whole thing. And it took him a while to kind of figure it out a little bit. But now, as you can see, their faith in him is being rewarded. The dude is one of the best heels in the world and an incredible in-ring worker. So that's basically the idea of their system. It's apparently very brutal, especially low down on the rungs. It's a very much a, a class system. Um, I was going to ask, is there any ties to like samurai culture or anything like that where they – I mean, they're that's, the ones that do the chores and keep things clean yes. and do all that. We see them running into the ring with the the water bags. And, to call it samurai you know, culture is reductive, but it's definitely uh, part yeah. of part of the system that you're talking about. Where there's, yeah, you go in there like if you're the lowest in the rung, you're cleaning the bathrooms, you're you're getting everyone's laundry for them, and then as you move yeah. up, you do less and less of that. Um, and then once you're a main, you're star, a private. You showed up for boot camp in the military. You're going to be putting through all these exercises. Very, right? but very it's, simple. It's to build character and discipline and all of those. You're going to get your ass yeah. kicked by by Suzuki after one of his matches. That's just part sure. of being a young lion. Is you take bumps. <laughs> you're going to take bumps if you know the higher ups want you to take bumps. You're going to take bumps, and you have to sell like a madman. Otherwise, look like I remember there was one time. I man, I forget who it was. I don't even. I, he might not even be in the system anymore, but. Uh, I remember Suzuki laid out 
uh, a young lion and he didn't sell well enough for him. So he went back and like legit beat him up. So, yeah. <laughs> young lions. They take it seriously. Yeah. So very Any serious. young lions outside of Shota that we should keep an eye on uh, in the near future? Man, this whole last class has been really good. Like Fredericks is the one I would say. Yuya Uramura I thought was really good too. Um, I'm I'm spacing on a few of the, the names right now, but I can say Ren Narita uh, I think yeah. will be a really good one. He's got to put on a little bit more muscle maybe, or he's going to try and go for a uh, – I don't know if he's trying to, if he's trying to go for a Zack Sabre Jr. look, but yeah. There's a, a lot of them out of this last class. Like if you've watched New Japan over the last year, a lot of those guys that are that are ringside now are legit AF, and a lot of the guys coming out of the the LA dojo are insanely legit. Um, having seen them work recently, I saw them live down in Long Beach a few months ago, and a couple of those guys are just, I mean, they're already on an elite level. They just haven't graduated yet, and once they yeah. graduate, I mean, look out. So, yeah. Hmm. Thank you very much, uh, former champ. Yes, sir. Andy Jessup. I know he's gunning for it again. <laughs> I know you're. I know you're. Uh, be, you're absolutely trying to be the first two time, two time, gunning for it. <laughs> uh, next up, Jacob uh, says, since we are seeing meshing between AEW and WCW with things like Bash at the Beach, what would your matches for an AEW versus WCW pay per view be? Six. To, I'm guessing six to ten matches. We so we need to book an AEW versus '90s WCW card. Is Ooh. that what we're doing here? Um. Le Champion versus the Man of a Thousand and Four Holds. Top of the top. No. <laughs> um, I, I'm thinking like Sting versus Cody. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of uh, who was top, who was mid in each of the promotions. Sting versus Pack would be really good. Uh, yeah, maybe not prominent enough. Pack. No. For, for Sting. No, not for Sting. All right. Um, I'm trying to think. Who Sting would, versus Kenny Omega. Moxley versus Goldberg. He's, oh god, that's <laughs> that would be a terrible one. match. Yes, please. That would be a terrible. Oh, match. It would be awful. It'd be terrible. They, they match what am up I talking poor, about? That'd they match horrible. up terribly. It would be Goldberg awful. versus Wardlow. There you go. Um, <laughs> Goldberg versus Cage in a couple of weeks when he does actually. But start. here's the problem: is I book Cody versus Hogan, and Hogan would find some way to get himself over. It'd be terrible right. with a leg drop. <laughs> um, um, god, I'm trying to think. Who? What else would be good? Uh, let's see. Young Bucks uh, versus Hall and Nash. MJ versus Buck, Buff Bagwell, Wardlow on a pole match. I don't know. I, it's WCW, man. I'm just trying to think what WCW. It's, yeah, it's it get as ridiculous as we possibly can. Sure. <laughs> uh, Butcher and Blade versus the Steiners. Like I'm trying to think who else was in WCW back in the day. Um, mm. Or like end of era. Scott Steiner versus Brian Cage if he goes to w, uh, to AEW. Can you imagine like prime era Steiner versus Swolverine? Cage, yeah. That would be that'd be fun. That would be Not that he's not technically AEW yet. But um oh, I will okay, never mind. Now now we can get interesting. How about um Sammy Guevara versus like Juventud Guerrera or um uh, or Who Ray, are the high flyers Ray. in WCW? What's that? Who the high flyer? The, the cruiserweights? They had yeah. a whole bunch of them. Yeah, they had a bunch. I remember they had a, a bunch of good ones. I um, mean, Eddie Guerrero was there at a point. Um, Norman the Cat Smiley. Uh, Billy Kidman. Yeah, right. Billy Kidman. Kidman was one I was yeah. trying to think of. Yes. 
I could totally see a Guevara Kidman match. That would be oh, La Parca versus uh, Pentagon Junior. Uh, Phoenix versus Rey Mysterio. I mean, we've seen that, but so, <laughs> yeah, we've actually seen that. But like Primera Rey versus current Phoenix. Um, wow. Or Psychosis. Mm, 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 mm. That'd be good. Yeah, man. I mean, NWO versus the the Elite alone. Yeah. If you just have like a tag match, NWO, like prime, Main event, prime right NWO, there. not like the, the revisionist NWO they're trying to sell us. Yeah. But like, you know, Hogan, Nash, Hall. Out, outsiders with Hogan. Right. Maybe the Giant back when he was there. That'd be fun. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, so, yeah, it's, you could make a good pay-per-view out of that. I don't know. It's, um, it's just us, spit, I, it's I, us I, spitballing I at this point. I can't not mention Flair, even though he wasn't. He was there for a little bit, yeah. Little bit. He wasn't there that long, but Flair Cody. That's I mean, prime Flair, even late era yeah. Flair versus Cody would just lights out. Early nineties Flair. Flair and Arn. Because Arn was there too. Flair and Arn versus uh Cody and Dustin. <laughs> oh. Mm. Stop it. Oh. Mm. <laughs> Jacob, that's a lot of fun. I feel like we could sit it's, here and, and do that all the night. beach, so Hogan would have to turn <laughs> at some point. Oh, of course. Yeah, of course. Of course. Uh, thank you very much, Jacob. Next up, Lyle uh, asks, I started watching wrestling again a few months before Shinsuke won the Royal Rumble. So that was 18? He won the 18, 2018 Yes, Rumble? that sounds right. I didn't know anything about him before that, and nothing since then has impressed me. Can, can we name some specific matches of his he should check out so that I can understand the hype that you give him? Yes. Uh, um, he also remembers when Judith Brooke helped host the show when Nick first moved out east, and you've mentioned her recently on the podcast. Yeah. What's she been up to, and will she ever make another appearance on the show? Nothing saying she won't. I have to ask her. That's that's up to her. Yeah, she's been stay she's been staying very busy. Uh, yeah, yeah, she's, uh, doing the L.A. thing, man. Uh, going out and auditions. I let her. I let her speak for herself. I don't know if she's in the chat right now or not. I'll, I'll let her speak for herself. I know she'll be back around in, in the Discord chat for Royal Rumble, uh, allegedly. So Nick's not moving across the country again anytime soon. So that's not going to be the reason. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, there may be reasons she just comes on for the heck of it. But yeah, she is. She's yeah. still around. She's doing the work and uh, getting her done. You know, just uh, yeah, join the union and all that good stuff. May have some um, some YouTube plans that I have not yet discussed with Ian that I'd like to involved oh. hello. teaser hello I'll, I'll dangle that little carrot out in front of you hello. guys and uh what was the other question yeah. shinsuke nakamura matches yeah what's what matches pre rumble winner shinsuke if you're if you have no idea who shinsuke is or where he came from should you go watch well definitely go check him out in nxt because that's that's the easiest access um absolutely it's all on the network yeah. you can go watch him get the championship and all his championship really his championship match with samoa joe and of course you have to joe. watch a Sami Zayn match that's even if you look at his entire career, his match with Sami Zayn is one of his best ones. Um, aside from that, I'm trying to think of him back in New Japan. Um, the first match I ever saw him with him in was Wrestle Kingdom Nine against Ibushi, and I think that's still one of his best matches. Like him and Ibu him and Ibushi, um, both times. The other one was in uh, the G1 Climax 23. I don't remember which day it was, but it was I think G1 23. Uh, versus so both of his Kota Ibushi matches. He may have had other ones, but those are the two I remember. Were the G One and Wrestle Kingdom, and they are the first one. Uh, the G One one was the one where Kota Ibushi had always been a high flyer, and that was the first one I remember where people were like, "Oh shit, he can strike too," 
Like he can go strike. Krasinski was known as a striker. Uh, You'll even see Ibushi every now and then go into the ring, the corner, and do the like he's getting ready to do the Kinshasa. Well, that's and that's Wrestle Kingdom. He actually came back and because the first match, Shinsuke didn't. He was he was making fun of him, and he's like, "You're nothing. You're beneath me. Like I don't need to." And yeah. Ibushi basically took it to him in that match to the point that he actually kicked out of the uh, the Kinshasa at the time. It was called the Bomaye. He kicked out of the Bomaye on one in that match, and everyone lost their damn minds. So he got Shinsuke's uh, respect in the G1 match, and then the Wrestle Kingdom match, he came in cocky and started even stealing some of Shinsuke's moves. So it's, it was a great little story between him and Ibushi. Um, another G, the year later in the G1, uh, 24, he had a match with Okada. That was absolutely amazing. Um, of course, the other one everyone always talks about is his five-star match at Wrestle Kingdom 10 with AJ Styles. Uh, which is, I mean, they, they were trying to recreate that magic in WWE and just, if you go watch that match and compare them to what they did in WWE, you'll see why we're so disappointed because the yeah. promise was there. It's like, why, oh my God, they beat the crap out of each other for you know nearly 30 minutes and it's such a great uh, storytelling and the way it ramps up and gets more intense, the cockiness to begin it, um, the, char- the charisma that he has at that. Uh, you can even go way back um, I'm trying to think some like lesser known matches he had. Um, the, I mean, I, the one I found recently that I hadn't watched at the time, the one with him versus La Sombra, who's now Andrade Cien Almas in WWE. Mm-hmm. I don't remember when that was. I think it was, I know it was in uh, around that time, 2013, 2014. I don't remember what uh, event it was at. Um, I, like Kazuna Road or something like that, maybe, or I don't think they did Destruction Tour at that time. But yeah, something like that. A lot of the, less, a lot of those older one. new. A lot of those older New Japan matches are on YouTube as well. They do a good yeah. job of putting some of those stuff, the, the high-profile ones. So you can go – you know what? Here's what I'll do, Lyle. I'll, I'll make you a deal. We'll, we'll start a Shinsuke appreciation thread That's in not the bad. Yeah, yeah. discussion group, and we can just put match – As I think of, as I think of more stuff. of them, um, yeah. I'll try and uh, – uh, Marafuji versus Marafuji back in, in around that time too. 13-14 was like his prime era. Um, him versus Kevin, uh, him versus, sorry, Kevin Steen, uh, on the Indies before they both came to WWE was, was great too. So yeah, lots of good Shinsuke stuff from back in the day, but you see like, was the Sammy match the one where Kevin turned on Sammy? No, and no, no, no. Apron power bomb. No, it was, him and all it was that? Sammy's last match in NXT actually. That's okay. Yeah, that's that was right. what it was special for. Yeah. Thank you very much, Lyle. Uh, good question. Love highlighting, um, or introducing people to, oh, to new yes. stuff like that. Uh, next up, Abraham. Hey, guys. Hope you guys had a great week. I did. A lot of cross-country traveling. I'm kind of exhausted. <laughs> Two questions, if you don't mind. One, uh, if you could repackage a wrestler, which one would it be, and why would you feel compelled to do so? Um, and I'll go ahead and ask the second one so we can be percolating on it. Okay. <coughs> Excuse me. I haven't read these yet, by the way, guys, for the record. Uh, your opinions matter to me, so I'm confident you can give me a straight answer on a lingering question. Why do people not like Joe Buck? <laughs> what? <laughs> I would love to talk about that one. Okay. For the same reasons people don't like Michael Cole. I just don't get why he gets so much hate. Seriously. Am I missing something? Or Troy Aikman. Um, Ugh. Uh, so the first one, if, we, if you could fantasy repackage a wrestler, which would it be and why would you feel compelled to do so? Uh, I mean, the first one that's popping into my mind is Cesaro, just because this week I'm like, God, they could be doing so much with that's him, a good one. and it's just, it's just nothing there. And they keep trying, and just they don't push him right. It's just, it's come on. I don't think it should be rocket science with him. 
Um, they've almost had it so many times, whether it's, you know, he looks at the transporter or just him doing strength spots or him. Like just the, remember that one time where he was in the match and he started just running around and kicking everyone's ass and then got up in the crowd was just totally lit up. Like the guy can do it. He can go, he can do everything. Just how can we, how has he not been given more of a prominent position? It, it just blows my mind every time. Um, yeah. and maybe a repackaging would help with him. Maybe, but I don't even. I mean, I don't even know if the, if you should be that fancy with him. It's just a matter of the way he's pushed. Uh, as far as like a total repackaging, though, I don't know, Nick. I gave I gave one. You give one here, and I'll see if I can think of another one that I'm. I'm I'm stumped. I'm struggling. Really? Right now. You, we were always complaining yeah, about people uh, that, that we were like, ah, oh, do more with them. Well, well, because the people that I that are coming to mind are either mid change or mid repackage right now. Uh, Rusev comes to mind. Rusev, oh, Jesus, I yeah. loved as the Bulgarian brute, and you know, leading up to as, as leading up to driving a tank out at WrestleMania. Uh, Are you kidding me? Yeah, all to have a, a chains match with with Cena. I mean, you talk about having the rocket strapped and being shot to the top of the world, and then being shot down in midair, <laughs> and then just cratering. Yep. Star Wars, like Superman coming in, getting crashed by Zod from outer space, just. Holy smokes, the turns that that guy has taken have been so drastic. And then to see something as organic as Rusev Day manifest itself out of nowhere alongside Aiden English, and then that cratered just as hard. And now we've led to, to this thing with a uh, faux divorce cheating angle with Lashley and <sighs> Rusev. Rusev, I think, has every single tool. And I feel like he's just been completely bungled. He and he's even had two coming out as the Bulgarian brute and uh, the Rusev Day thing, and they've both just been completely bungled. What a, what a uh, shock! Just, two members, like, two members of the uh, League of Nations. One uh, one member is no longer in the company, and the other one could use a repackaging as well. They brought Seamus back, and he's back to his old gimmick. And it's just it's just same exact thing. Yep. So yeah, the, Rusev would be mine. The, the League of Nations. Rusev. Oh, Rusev. I'll, t- I'll go Cesaro. I'll stick with yeah. that. Uh, why do people not like okay. Joe Buck? <laughs> On to more important things. <clears throat> uh, if you go back and you look at the history of Joe Buck, um, in the beginning, he was one of those bright new commentators that spoke very, and I say this as someone that does a show and someone that's, uh, trained in voiceover and all of that kind of stuff. And we're taught promo, we're fancy. taught, we're taught how to do all of that stuff, right? So you come up through the ranks of that kind of thing. But at a certain point, and he's he was really good. He's let me be clear about this. He is exceptionally good at what he does for a living. And I would say the exact same thing about Michael Cole. At a certain point, it becomes mechanical, and you lose the passion. Yeah, that's what's ha- and not to mention the fact that they have oversaturated. Fox has oversaturated everything we watch, every sporting event that they put on, even effing NASCAR. Joe Buck is on some of the NASCAR stuff. World Series, hockey playoffs, baseball, uh, I said baseball, football. Every so-, so some people are only exposed to him based on what they watch and what their fandoms are. If you're watching a lot of sports, you are inundated with Joe Buck. He's everywhere. I don't know how and that- either. And kudos to him for making that bank. Good Dude, for you, Buck, buddy. I see Buck and Aikman play calling a game. I turn the sound off, and I put some other sound on. I just watch the game without sound like that's how bad it's gotten it's because the passion's not there 
it's it's because it's so mechanical now because it's so second nature to him it's he shows up puts a suit on goes to makeup and it's it's robot robotic thank you yeah uh if you listen to if you had told me just five years ago uh, i was a staunch dallas cowboys hater and i made clavicle breaking collarbone breaking jokes about tony romo he broke his damn. Board. He broke his collarbone and then beat the Niners and threw passes with it. Like, yo, props Fair to the man. He's also the fourth highest uh, rated quarterback in league history. Yeah. So I'll I'll leave that one up. Yeah. That said, if five years ago you told me he would turn into one of the greatest color my, commentators my of all time, favorite and best play calling slash color commentators in the game, and, maybe of all time. Yeah. I would have told you, I would have laughed at you and laughed you out of the room. The only person that but came close is. to like being able to predict what was going to happen on the field was, was uh, John Gruden. When Gruden was, was saying, well, well, they're going to try and run up the left side of the field here using a reverse 2-4 play on the left side. Uh, nickelback, dime, I don't know, all the fucking stuff he was, he was coming Spider out with. Spider 2, banana, Spider two, banana, banana Ohio, Ohio, 5-9. And then <laughs> and it would happen. You'd be like, whoa, that's amazing. Romo's got him that. beat. But it's not even that. You can hear the love of the game in Tony Romo's voice. You could hear the love of the game in Madden's voice. Even Al Michaels at this point has just got to become Al Michaels. His head's yeah, just, Al he's Michaels just there is like and he's... Butter. Al Michaels like butter. But, but that silky smooth voice he's got. <laughs> Joe Buck doesn't have the passion. No. It's just, yeah, it's not there. Like it's you said, it's Michael Kolish. Uh, I, I even like Boomer yeah. on uh, on the wrap-up show. He he's could okay. go Oh. The way. Oh, that boomer. Yeah, yeah, Chris, yeah definitely. Whoop. Chris Berman, Chris for Berman. sure. Oh, love me some Berman. Back, 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 back. And not just because I'm a Raiders fan. Anyway, all right. We're, we're <laughs> supposed to be talking about wrestling, Nick, and here we are getting into football. Hey, hey I'll talk about anything. This is for the patrons, man. They, they can ask us anything here. This is uh, That's a good point. That's a good point. This is their show. I mean, we've got Packers Niners coming up, so, man, so let's go. I, I know, I know, I know, I know. The, the real game's tomorrow, though. Oh, stop <clears> it. <laughs> Titans Chiefs? Is that uh Thank you, Abraham. Uh, Martin is next. Should moves like the Canadian destroyer be more protected? Yes. It's impressive seeing Keith Lee or Dustin do it, but it shouldn't be a shouldn't it be a move that that amazing be a match ender? I yes. think it would have been a long time ago, and I think it's become the new super kick. Like when like ten years ago, 10, 12 years ago, Shawn Michaels hits you with a super kick, you're done. I, I I'm actually going to correct you on that. I think a super kick. I actually don't mind a super kick being spammed the way it is because because well, now. now because because again it was Shawn Michaels' finisher but it was like only he can knock you out with it fine yeah. everyone else uses it essentially like a, a glorified punch and it's a more exciting punch a Canadian destroyer is you being flipped upside down and pile drived on your head like that that's one of the most devastating looking moves ever and it's part of it's a pile driver which used to like end careers and has legitimately ended careers uh, you know, it's it's when people were asking what I thought the most. Dangerous, it's a package pile driver with more momentum behind well, it. Well, that was what people were at, <laughs> right. People were asking the other week um, what I thought the most devastating move was. I was like the DDT, because in real life, if you're given a DDT, the fight is over. Your head split open, and you possibly you're dead. Um, if it's on concrete, so you know, and a DDT. I think the DDT is a more apt analogy for what the Canadian destroyer has become. Where Jake Roberts used to give you a DDT, matches over. Because yeah. legitimately, a DDT would knock you to hell out. And if you, I mean, obviously, a Canadian destroyer would never legitimately happen because it's not a legitimate move. It's, a, it's, a, it's an acrobatic stunt you both are engaged in. 
Um, but it's for in terms of what it looks like, devastating, and from a devastating standpoint, um, it should it should be a KO, but it's not, and it's becoming a lot like the DDT, where it's being used as a signature move, or as like a mid match move, and not as a finisher. I mean, Jesus Christ, the uh, impact, uh, the la- hard to kill, where Mac does a top ro- uh, an avalanche top rope electric chair. Canadian Destroyer, and the match continues afterwards. Come right. on. That's, it's over. That shouldn't only end the match. It should end a career. Burning hammers know? should always end a match. Like, so, but yet they're now being used as mid-match moves. It blows my mind. So, yeah, and I, not just me being old school. It's me, I'm, I'm trying to say, like, in terms of impressiveness of a move, if you see a move and it's just it's that devastating looking, you're going to have a hard time finding another move that's going to put someone down when that didn't do it. Unless it's you're using it as something to soften them up. But even then, like it's I, I think it's I definitely think it's overkill for that. It should be a match ender. But to your point, even today, look at how many people how many wrestlers are using modified DDTs as their protected finishing moves. You got Finn with the 1916. You've got uh, Rude with the glorious DDT. You've oh. got Andrade with the uh, Hammerlock. Hammerlock DDT. You've got Moxley with the Death Rider. Which is essentially a 1916. It's essentially 17. a 1916. 17, Sorry, Irish. 16. 16. Uh, so, yeah, the DDT is still very viewed very prominently like that. But I look at somebody like Adam Cole, who's doing the, the Panama Sunrise. I know why I screwed that up. I, I want to go see that movie. That's why I'm, I was like, wait a minute, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why is my brain saying 1917? Very, di- very different. I Irish, Irish Re- Revolution. Okay, I, thank you. <laughs> I'm aware, Nick. I love my history. You stop. Yes. <sighs> All so right. I don't, well, so thank I don't you get very murdered much, in the comments. I'm just clarifying why I had that little brain fart there. Anyway, so uh, after all of our philosoph- philosophy and speculation, do we think that the Canadian destroyer is being spammed too much today? Yes. Yes, I agree. Thank you, Martin. Uh, next up, Brandon. What is your favorite entrance gear across all promotions in current day wrestling? This is easy for me. Oh, go then. Evil. Oh, for Christ's sake! Really? Actually, you know what it. Like it's very closely tied with uh, Marty Skrulls. I was gonna, I was gonna say Marty Skrull, but evil to me is just like someone went to Party City and got some costumes and put them on. He's got a big plastic scythe that it glows in the dark, and oh, come, and like this stupid, weird, like late '90s industrial band uh, face gear, and uh, doesn't do it for me. Doesn't, and I love me okay. some, I love me some evil, uh, but it just doesn't. I, I prefer. Uh, I, I, oh my God! What was the the mask that uh, Naito came out with this year? He came out with a sick mask. I'm trying to remember when it was. It was uh, either Wrestle Kingdom or leading up to it. He came out with a sick mask. Um, but also in terms of rest of entrance gear, uh, Alistair Black back in NXT had some great, like the Dragon Bone shoulder pad uh, was really cool. You can tell we have a type here, Nick. <laughs> Skrull, Evil, Alistair Black. Like we've got a we got a type. I'll throw in Tanahashi. I love Tanahashi's entrance gear. I love his ring attire. I love I love his whole presentation because it's like um you know, weird anime futuristic Final Fantasy kind of thing. Come to life. It's the closest thing I've ever seen to an anime character in real life is Tanahashi's entrance gear. Um I'm loving Osprey's new entrance style with the um with the big robe and the sword and everything. Um Okada. 
God, of course, Okada's like all time. That entrance at Wrestle Kingdom might go down as one of the best it's, ever. It was badass. With, with the, he had the synchronized moves with oh. the digital graphics effects behind him. Just It was just sick. And I, th- I think the thing we're, we're, the road that we're, but we're talking about gear specifically, well, not entrance. Oh, gear? No, that was entrance gear. No, what is your favorite entrance gear? Yeah, I'm saying entrance gear. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I know. but I, I don't want to. I don't want to like take into account like graphics and performance and things no, like that. Like gear, gear but right? I think one of the reasons we're talking about New Japan is that they've got specifically entrance gear. Yeah. Whereas in WWE, you only really see that at like NXT. You might have a jacket or a coat or a robe right. or something. That's kind NXT of NXT pay per views. They've got like special entrance gear sometimes. You know what I mean? Like, but it's it's yeah. rare that you see specifically entrance gear. Um, <laughs> It's telling that the only one I can think of off the top of my head is Nikki Bella wears a shirt that she then tears off, and that's her entrance gear. Uh, I mean, Asuka. Asuka, yeah, Asuka, Asuka has, but Asuka, again, from the Japanese culture where you have an entrance attire, and Asuka definitely I would put in that category as having a really cool yeah. entrance robe and entrance attire. Uh, Ricochet's done it a couple of times um, on his entrance where he'll have like a special outfit he's coming in, in. and they've, been, they've all been, for the most part that I can think of, Odes to Tanahashi, who he who he actually like asked, "Can I come in in Tanahashi style gear?" So, even your boy Umberto Carrillo is coming in as oh, the White Ranger. Yeah, well, that uh, that I'm not so big on. <laughs> uh, Seth had some good entrance gear. I think I remember Seth had a pretty good White Ranger outfit at WrestleMania one time. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think what other entrance gears there've been in modern wrestling, like. Um, Oh, Shingo. I want to see Seth put Shingo. the vest back on with AOP, all of them in tack vests, and we get like Shield 2.0 kind of stuff. I think I, I think that I would think be they awesome. won't out of out of respect to the other Shield members. Yeah, it, I, I, it's probably the right thing to do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, stop. <laughs> Thank you very much, Brandon. Great question. Uh, it's always fun to talk about the things that it's. It's always interesting to hear like what people think is the coolest. Oh, thing as as it's, may, it's a very subjective thing. As may in the chats as uh, Naomi. I will admit, the first time I saw Naomi's entrance thing, I was it was pretty cool. Like I was like, that is unique. That is truly to one up it. Yeah, to one up that even more, Esme. If you haven't watched it, there was a on one of the early seasons of of Divas. They actually um, highlighted her, the progression of that and her building it all and sending it all out. I mean, joke about it all you want, but I mean, you get some, you get to see. Fair, it's fair. Uh, it's fair. Her, the the struggles that she had to go through, the practice runs that they made her go through over and over again, right? Getting the belt shipped out so that it was light up, which we all I hated that belt. Shit all over, right? That was a bad idea. It's anyway. Next up, Billy. Billy Stickler. I've been gone and I'm sorry. You have not failed this group in my absence. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Billy. Thank you, Bill. And I promise to never fail you by disappearing again. Daddy is home. Oh my. And I will be in the BWO Rumble. I will win my title. Oh. And I will go to BWO Mania as the champion you need and deserve. Rest easy, champ. I'll take it from here. Oh. Defeat is the easy part. The real heroes are the ones who continue on. See you all at the Rumble. Good luck. You will need all of it. My Billy, not a question, but a statement. Damn. All right. Bring in the heat. Bring in the heat over there. Billy with the promo on the on the. That's what I want. (laughs) That's what I want. Using Billy. And it's clever and it's smart. And you use your Patreon podium (laughs) as a patron (laughs) to cut promos. No, man. This is a this is a a mailbag question show. It's not a promo show. What is this? I don't, you can say whatever you want. You can talk. What, it's a question. What is this? If you just want to. Smart. 
That's that's a future champion right there. Oh, Billy. that's a future champion. Oh, Billy. Oh, Billy. He's, oh, all right. All right. Fair enough. I will Billy. see you, Billy. I see you at the Rumble. All right. Calling down Next the up, thunder. Josh. You're going to get the lightning. Wow. Okay. Next up, Josh. Salutations, gentlemen. We all love and have a passion for this sport and can get very emotionally involved. What are some moments in wrestling history that have touched you most on a personal level, emo- on, a mo- on a personal emotional level, mm. or perhaps made the room extremely dusty? Thanks for having the best podcast ever and letting us all bask in your glory. Thank you. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Josh. High five. Uh, this is an easy one for me. Um, the most recent one was uh, Johnny Gargano beating Adam Cole. That made and you- that it made me like you could feel like when he had him in that Gargano escape and he was wrenching back on it and screaming the whole time after that long, long match. I was just going, oh, my God. <laughs> right. That was one that I was really emotionally invested in. Um, the Champa and Gargano feud. We were both very, like, all invested in. But if we're talking about, like, mm, makes me a dusty, uh, that's got to – I got to think about that one. That's, I have a really quick one. Like, the mo- the dustiest I've ever gotten in a wrestling okay. match. And I've, 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 had, a, I've had a few, like, um, uh, Mark Henry retiring, getting, getting teared up. Even though he was psyching us out, he got me. Right. I was like, oh, man, Mark. Mark. Oh, uh, oh, uh, uh. Um. But, I mean, the dustiest moment in wrestling history has got to be I'm Sorry I Love You. Ric Flair's retirement match with Shawn Michaels. Yeah. I'm Sorry I Love You. Like, that's just, that was straight man, man sobs right there. (laughs) Oh, it's so beautiful. It's so tragic. He had to take out his mentor. He didn't want to go down. He had to put the old dog out to pasture. Bam. Oh, (laughs) Cravall's down, and he hugs his head, and he's crying, and Rick's crying before he hits the mat, and oh, oh. definitely, easily, easily the biggest. I get, I get choked up even talking seriously about that one. Yeah. Um, recently, I got dusty when Naito won. Man, that crazy son of a bitch went up to the top, and 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 like I thought oh. he was going over to Stardust Press, and I'm like, what are you doing? You're gonna blow it again. And he hits it. Okada kicks out. And I'm like, no! And then he gets up. Destino, one, two, three. I was, ah! That was, that was a definitely the most recent, like, emotionally. I, I said before, like, that happened and just shit went flying everywhere. Pillows, yeah. papers, the computer, dog Ziggler. Everyone just went flying. <laughs> like, it was, yeah. So that was, I was very, very psyched there. Um and back in the day, uh, mankind went in the belt for the first time, January fourth, nineteen ninety-eight. Uh, was or ninety-nine? Excuse me. Was uh, that was a big one? So I'm I'm really digging into my memory banks. There's nothing that comes even close to the "I'm sorry, I love you" moment. That's a, I'm, such the more a big recent one. ones. Yeah, the more recent ones like the oh damn dude when, Esme uh, Eddie winning Eddie and Eddie and Benoit winning the title. Oh. oh. I, we're done. I can't. I'm not going to get him. <laughs> oh, and that, that was even like at the time it was huge. It was like gut punch huge. And then in hindsight. Oh, I'm not going to cry. Yeah. 
Rest in peace, Eddie. We love you, man. Man. Rest in peace, Chris. Well, maybe don't rest in Please. peace. Rest in hell. Uh, man, uh, god damn. I hope I hope he found <laughs> it, but wife and kid didn't. Anyway, all right. Don't before we get dark here. His son's forgiving him. We can't. Well, that's true. He's going to go out and wrestle under his name. Actually, he's going to wants to wrestle under under Chris's yeah. name. Yeah. Anyway, crazy. That's a different. That's, that's a, different a whole different show. Uh, that's a that's a whole episode. Um, okay, but yeah, emotional moments. Eddie Eddie Chris winning the title is a good one. Daniel Bryan winning, Kofi winning recently was a good one. Um. I mean, I still remember Seth cashing in, being live when Seth cashed in, and that's about as hype as I've ever been at a live show. I was, I was hyperventilating. I'll lose my mind because uh, we all thought that main event was just going to stink the joint up. After a really good show, we were like, oh, this is going to suck. <laughs> Either Roman loses and we're all going, oh, yay, Brock's still champ, or Roman wins. We're like, god damn it, the coronation, and then they, they – you know, Gordian not. Boom, Seth Seth cashed it in. That was just like I lost my voice. Him at the, him at the top of the ramp, whipping it around. Oh yeah. Oh Jesus. Um Sammy winning too back in NXT. Sammy winning the title was a really emotional one. I was like, I was oh, I was fully invested in that. Mm. I'm sure we can think Thank of you, more Josh. the more you've, the more we you've, think you've of it. Completely yeah, that's cratered a... the show now. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't have the will to go on. <laughs> no, come I'm on. Sorry. Get back into it. Come on. Okay. There we go. Thank you, Josh, for the question. All right. Well, we got more to go. No, We're I, only about halfway through. I know. <laughs> actually, there's a, actually there's actually a emotional moment that uh, that Nick had that he's not admitting right now, and I know it to be true because you you admitted to me off the air uh, when Nia Jax won the title for the first time at Alexa Bliss over the rest at WrestleMania, and she stood up for for everyone who'd ever been bullied. Uh, Nick shed a tear. It's true. It's 100 percent true. Yep. If you believe that, you probably <laughs> believe wrestling's real. I mean, sorry, choreographed. We'll leave it at that. Uh, next up, Come thank on, you, Josh, for the um, for the emotional question of the day. Uh, Esme, next up. Hey, Pod fellas, took another bud to their first indie show a week ago. He absolutely loved it. Yes. The anything can happen ap- atmosphere, the violence, and the crowd. His favorite moment was when poor barefoot Fatu got suplexed onto thumbtacks. Uh, yes. I uh, can't stand so- foot thumbtack spots. I cannot stand it. Oh, the Joey Janela when he did it in AEW recently. I was just, no, God. <laughs> I can't stand it. Uh, what were some of your guys' favorite indie storylines or most brutally violent indie moment? Mm. Well, violent indie moment, man. I saw Supreme back in the day in a death match, and that was uh, that was very bloody. Although, um, uh, I got blood on me at Lucha Underground. Thanks, Vampiro. Um, the indie storyline, that's a tough one, man. Uh, you know, there was a specific CZW one that I'm looking for, and keep going. I, I well, Jacob it was a very specific spot. Jacob reminded me uh, a little while back of one of the greatest indie stories of the last few years, and that was uh, David Starr and Walter. David Starr not being able to beat Walter, and it's a little controversial, I, th- I guess, because um, everyone feels it was David Starr getting himself over, but Walter was over, so you know he was helping out David Starr fine. But that was a great ongoing storyline. Uh, indies wise um big fan of of steed and generico and they're ongoing they're they're like what nine year storyline 
across all the different indies. Um, Samoa Joe and Daniel Bryan storyline back in Ring of Honor back in the day was awesome. Um, you give me some. I'm going to try and brainstorm some more. I mean, anything with uh, Sick Nick in CZW <laughs> you would. and the light tube. Like, the, the spot. Like, if you had to ask me what was my, oh, my God, spot in a hardcore match ever, it was Sick Nick doing an assault driver off the top of a rider truck onto a platform of light tubes. Just Is that a storyline or oh, that violent, violent spot? I see what you're saying. Oh, it's, just violent, it's just a violent spot, right? Um, the Hell of War match in Lucha Underground with I guess that, Yeah, um, I guess that counts. Shot. That's definitely freaking that's violent that's one of the most violent things ever three stages of hell match triple h and stone cold you know that's not uh it's not anywhere close to like violence but i mean just that's not indies though uh do we count lucha underground as indies uh i guess well it was on yeah uh, it's on the cusp it's on the cusp it's it's in that gray area somewhere oh it's not mainstream but candice LeRae getting kicked in the face with razor blade shoes in pwg Oh shit! And wearing like just a full-on crimson mask. That was a brutal one. Good lord. <sighs> yeah. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, t -t 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 Chris uh, Hero, some of your guys. <laughs> so yeah, violent indie spots. Fine. What was some of our favorite indie storylines? Mm. Just in general, not not necessarily violent. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I threw out there Steen and Generico. Um. Punk and Raven was a fun one back at Ring of Honor too. Uh, is Ring of Honor, in, well, I guess that's is that Indies. Oh, or Daniel Bryan, uh, Bryan Danielson, and and, and uh, Nigel McGuinness had a great program. Um, trying to think. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, I'm 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 blanking for some reason. I I I knocked out a couple. Um. Ricochet overcoming the fatal four-way for Battle of Los Angeles, two-time champion. That was a, it was a three-way, but yes. Three-way, Jeff Cobb <laughs> and, and uh, Pentagon? Um, you know, okay, so here's an interesting one. Uh, Adam Pierce showed up on TV this week. Sure. Uh, he and Colt Cabana had a really great boom, boom. feud back in the day. Um, if you want to see what, where that guy came from, that's a good one. Go, go uh, search on YouTube, Adam Pierce and Colt Cabana. Uh, it's a good indie feud and uh, great, great introduction to both guys. Frankly, yeah. So they're going to have Adam Pierce on TV. If he's going to be the, the authority figure, then there you go. Check that out. Nice. So thank you very much, Esme. Great questions. Yeah. Uh, next up, Sean, maybe, maybe the innovator of one. our. Damn. Yeah, I, I, it. All I want to do right now is go back and watch some CZW. Like I've been high on it for oh. a couple of about a month or two now. And all I wanted, like I'm, my appetite for the hardcore death match stuff is really coming back, especially after the uh, Moxley-Kenny Omega match. Something really woke me up. Uh, so next up, Sean Clark, the innovator of our Moment of Positivity segment, yeah. now part of every show. Uh, who, would, who would you like to see get the Kofi moment in 2020? Meaning they come out of almost nowhere to get a push going towards Mania. Who would you like to see... Not necessarily who's in a position to. Samoa Joe. Elias. What? 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 
What? Whoa! Whoa! My God! Not in, not in a position to. I think he's got the look. Oh. He's obviously got the promo ability. You've said yourself, you six months of booking away from a title. Anybody? You need more than six months with Elias. You need more than six. Months. I'm I'm looking at this as something that's oh. that's not that's improbable, and not in a position to. Kofi wasn't completely out of the... like. Once it started, it seemed like, oh yeah, this makes total sense. Elias would make no sense to be in a title picture? Come on. Come on. Nuh-uh. I mean, I got, did he say title picture or was it just like a push? Because, okay, I want to say Drew McIntyre, but he looks like he's just like on the cusp of turning that... Corner being on the straightaway. Oh, he's he's going to win the Rebel. He'll have a title match. Whereas this year, this year Joe Drew feels McIntyre like a Kofi. will have a championship Joe match. feels like a Kofi where he's like an almost ran, like he should have been champ. He never got the opportunity. He's been doing good work for years. Um, he's in a program. He's doing well. Like he's on TV a lot, but he's not really in any kind of position to get the title. And he's one pay-per-view away of us all being like, oh, damn, Joe could win this all at WrestleMania. Just like Kofi was. So that's why I'm saying... Joe for me. But Elias... Joe, I could turn around tomorrow and book him into a title match. You did, They did. T- they booked Kofi into a title match the next... like It was... It was Samoa oh. Joe in 2018 was in a four-way, five-way. He had a championship match with Brock Lesnar. So it's not improbable that you could turn Joe around like that. I'm taking the, an extreme here by saying... Mojo you know, Raleigh! Mojo Raleigh getting that... He's getting that title match at WrestleMania. Mojo all the way. Mojo, Mojo, Mojo. I, I think I think Elias. I, that's that's just the for some reason in my gut, you know. I'm not going to be ridiculous and say Jackson Riker. I'm being genuine here. I think Elias is on that. Like you could, it's improbable. It's not likely to happen. Name. Which, but I, 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 I can easily the see chat? them turning the ship a little Name bit. one good Kofi match before 2019. I don't know. How many four-plus star tag matches did he have? You're talking about singles match? <laughs> singles match. Okay. Yes. Then then you the might be onto something. New Day matches don't count because those are ball. You might, you might be onto something there when it comes to singles matches. All right. So I, maybe the answer, the true answer lies here, Nick. I mean, the Randy Orton one that they called back to that feud, sure, in like 2009, whenever that was. 11. But yeah, okay. Maybe. But let's, let's, 11, let's, yeah. let's, maybe it was nine. But my, my point, I guess, is maybe the truth lies somewhere between Samoa Joe and Elias. I don't think that it's, I don't think Elias is a good example. Maybe Joe's not a good example. Who is less likely? Like, always was a good hand. Maybe had a chance back in the day, or or even recently, but never really Joe, had a shot. Joe's been NXT champ. He's been US. So I'm champ. saying not Joe. All yeah. right. So maybe it's oh, okay. okay. I'm saying Joe is on one extreme. Elias on the Elias is too improbable. Joe maybe it's has not, too many he, chances. He's not Heath Slater. You know he damn close. He's damn close. Okay. He's closer to Heath Slater than he is to Samoa Joe, or the, or the championship or WrestleMania push. So who who else has been able to say a good hand? I mean, obviously Drew McIntyre is too obvious, and I think yeah. they're positioning him a little bit too. And not improbable. No, you know? <laughs> exactly. Drew's going to have a championship, if not several, throughout twenty. I mean, would Ricochet count for that? It's it's not improbable enough. He's already been U.S. champ. I'd say it's and he was uh, the tag team champion. They, but they're they're positioning him as being kind of like a, a a super a severe underdog though. He hasn't really done a lot recently. Yeah, I. I don't know. 
I, I could put a title on him next week, and uh, and we'd all celebrate it. You and couldn't then, put a title on Elias because no one would I'll, celebrate it. Okay. And I think that's the heart of the question, right? Who would you like to see get the Kofi moment? Who would you like to see get the Kofi moment? I would mania? not like it to see Elias get it. I, I don't. Why not? Because he doesn't deserve it. I don't feel right. any sort of connection to him the way I feel with Kofi. Uh, I think Esme just said in chat my second vote, and that'd be Dana Brooke. All right. Uh, and legit. I mean that. Okay. You guys know how much I got the heart for Dana Brooke. Then let's, I will, you know what? I, I don't know if she ever had the history of the Kofi, like in the same way, but okay. I will, we'll, we'll settle on that one, Nick. Dana Brooke. Dana Brooke. All right. Thank you, Sean. Great question. I love stuff like that. Uh, Nick, uh, Billy's back again. B- what? Billy, he got two. Wait, you got your, hang on. He cut his promo earlier, and now he's got another question. Okay. He's, let me, playing, let me read he's playing the this. game. He's playing the game here. Let me here. read through this and no, see I've, what's I've, going on here. All right. I haven't read this all yet. All right. Then get, yeah, read it. It's it's now read 2020. Read it out loud. Read it out loud. Hindsight. It, I'm trying to. Oh. It's 2020. Hindsight is also 2020. Well played. Well played. Looking back from 2015 to 2018, fans were adamant Roman's not the guy. Yes. Yet, seeing as how every other person who was, quote, pushed to the top hasn't quite panned out, was Roman actually the best choice? No issues with media or fans, delivered on the big stages, calm, composed, respectable. He had one minor issue with a suspension in 2016, and he owned up to it immediately. Apologizing to the fans in the locker room immediately, nobody else has really held themselves together since then. Is Am I valid or one of the crazies who has supported and believed in the guy the whole time? Too sweet, my friends. Keep up the greatness. Uh, that's a good, he's that's got a great, a point. That's a great question. And I, I think it's I think it's a rhetorical question the way he's phrased it. But at the same time, right. like you're you're painting your own Monet there. By, uh, <laughs> but he's not by, wrong. by hitting all the right points. But at the same time, I don't I don't think Billy's wrong here. I think that um, and we even said it. I think in the, in in the past, and you can go back and listen to us and tell if I'm if I'm wrong if I'm misremembering. But I remember us being saying Roman has all the tools. Roman is the right guy for this position. It's just their presentation of him is wrong and how he, how he's not connecting to the crowd in the right way, how they're uh, like, he's a badass, but he doesn't care about the crowd. He needs to be a badass that cares about the crowd. And it's, he, he found that for some weird reason and it's tragic, his leukemia diagnosis is what humanized him to the crowd. And he found that connection. And now he comes out and you can see him directly connecting with the crowd and it's genuine. It's not forced. It's not trying to connect. It's genuinely connecting. But during those years, 2016 to 2018, it was a lot of trying hard and it not working. But I think what Billy's question was, was was there anybody else like who, who could have done that? Was WWE wrong to push him? And I guess what I'm saying is, is, and we even said at the time, we understand why they want to push him because he has all of the tools. He's, he's big, he's strong, uh, he has a great, incredible look. Uh, you know, he's he's able to interact really well with the fans and the media. But ultimately, he's not connecting. And that was the one thing that wasn't happening. And now that he is connecting, you can 100% see why WWE would have wanted to push the guy in the first place. He has all of the tools. They just weren't able to, to make it work. Um, so Vince's relentless push of him, ultimately, God damn it, the old man, it paid off. And once yeah. again, Vince was right to be stubborn about something. Um, in hindsight, being 2020, should they have gone for somebody else in that time? 
maybe if he if he was not working during that time, there was a lot of instances where they should have pushed other people instead and waited for him to get the connection somehow. Um, and I will stand by that. Where there's other people they could have maybe should have pushed in that time frame, other than Roman, other than forcing him down our throats and frankly costing themselves about a million people a week in in TV viewing uh, because people just got sick of it, of the relentless push. When, you know, maybe Vince was right in the end, but it still cost them a lot to do that. So I feel like the end result was, okay, well, yeah, Vince was right. Roman is a great hand and he's a, he's a, he's a great top guy. But I think that the process, that him getting here, the, the ends did not, in a sense, justify all of the means, I guess is what I'm saying. So a couple things. Um, our very first patron bonus episode we did in August of 2018 was called The State of the Roman. And we talked about yep. this in in extreme detail. So first of all, definitely check that one out or give it a re-listen if you've already listened, but maybe you didn't know it was out there. Um, we, we went through a lot of this stuff. The thing for me was there was was the promo ability. Like, uh, he absolutely has all the tools. He has the look. He's got the Samoan heritage that always gets over. Uh, he's got the um, the in-ring ability oh, yeah. and the ability to call a match and all that stuff. It was always his mouth. It was always the promos and his kind of... The presentation. Mm, it was, it was the his, pres- a combination of his presentation. Presentation's fine. What the visual of him is magnificent. No, but I mean, his presentation and his promos and that sort of thing. But it was always this kind of... Uh, yeah, uh, dog, and, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just kind of duck lips and just... Mm, and just <laughs> that. Something happened when that boy unfortunately had to go deal with leukemia and a man came out <laughs> last year. What? His voice is deeper. He's more. There's more like legit, genuine passion. There's something that changed that came back throughout 2019 that made us start rethinking Roman. And it wasn't the fact... It, kudos to him for being able to recover from that and being able to return to the ring, first of all. Second of all... Something changed along the way, and he found the passion again. Do you want to know? You know, one something that I really and this may this might just be me be barking up a tree here. What I think he found was honesty. Whereas before he was pushing, he was trying to push his personality out through the screen, whether that was you know posing or whatever. Auth- authenticity. He found an authenticity with this leukemia diagnosis, where he came out and honestly said to the fans, "Yo, my name is Joe, and I'm going yeah. through this thing." And he kind of sat back in that chair of personality. He's got a natural charisma. He just kind of sat back a little bit in the car and let it happen. And now it doesn't, nothing feels forced when he, you know, every once in a while he'll throw a line out there that sounds like it's scripted, but it, you can't help that. Um, it, some of those lines are just, they're too goofy to, to not feel forced. But right. he's, uh, he feels like he's downshifted and now he's cruising a little bit more. And it doesn't feel as pushed on you or forced or, uh, like he's trying hard. It feels like he's genuinely out there. He's genuinely a badass, but he also genuinely cares about the fans. He cares about winning. Like a lot, a lot of those things feel authentic. They feel truthful, whereas before they felt like an act. And it really did happen around that period where a lot of that stuff went down with leukemia and, and Dean Ambrose having problems and everything else. Right. Um, is it really, that really felt like that's when it happened. Um, and it was a process. It didn't happen overnight. It wasn't like, boom, it just happened. It was definitely a long, drawn-out process. It just seemed to like 
accelerate during that, that one period and him coming back and not having the whole company in his shoulders and finding that groove. Um, and, he, and he hasn't been in a title contention since he's come back, I don't think. I'll just wait. <laughs> I, I, just wait. I know, but that's that's kind of part of it as well, is that part of the force feeding was that he was who's, always in title match. Who's getting the Kofi push? Roman Reigns. No, no. <laughs> Roman Reigns on the road to WrestleMania. Uh, uh, thank you, Billy. Uh, I, I think we're at the very beginning of what will be an interesting turn in Roman Reigns uh, yep. as we as we continue to evolve him. We're, we're sort of at the beginning stages of that, and we're seeing – we saw evidence of it uh, throughout 2019, and we're seeing more of it now. Hopefully, we don't go back to Just more, some of those more things. More proof Vince always gets his way. Yep. <laughs> Damn amazing. Uh, next up, Lionel uh, asks, "Hey guys, how are you? Good damn show, like always. Just came back from vacation on Cuba, nice in Cuba, nice Cuba. <laughs> I just finished keeping up with all the wrestling. So, anyways, my question is: uh, WWE uh-huh. will part timers continue to rule the roost in 2020, or is this finally going to be the year that we get what we deserve?" Mm. I'm not sure how to take that. Well, I think he's saying, like, are we still going to get a lot of, like, Kane Velasquez and Brock Lesnar and Goldberg oh, and yeah, Undertaker yeah. being at, the, like, the top of cards? Um, no, we're still going to get those on the shows, and especially WrestleMania, uh, yeah. because that's drawing in the casuals. And, they, they, and they're going to give you a whole smart... You're going to have whatever WrestleMania... Six, seven hours of WrestleMania, eight with the pre-show. You're going to have a ton of wrestling matches from people that have been in that company week in and week out, fighting for titles, fighting for position on the card but you're also going to have some really big matches that are going to be the spectacle matches whether it's undertaker or goldberg or you know kevin nash has come out of retirement his hips are in the right place and he's all of a sudden doing something or or what i suspect will be the main event brock lesnar versus kane velasquez which is frankly all the everyone who watches wwe on the weekly is like oh god really oh kane brock but guess what that's Big numbers for casuals. That's big numbers for people who watch MMA and who don't have to sign up for the network to watch them do it in Saudi Arabia. Like, right. that is huge as a WrestleMania main event. So here's the, the one guy that's ever really, like, toppled Brock Lesnar in UFC history. So here's the, here's the thing I want to throw back at this is, yeah. will part-timers continue to rule the roost? Well, part of the time, yes, they will. That, that's, that's literally the nature of them. But part of the time... They're going to boost the numbers and goose the numbers for Vince. And that's what they're there for. Um, are they going to be the top of the card? Yeah, probably, because that's literally what they're there for. And it sucks in some sense. And it's a bit disrespectful to the people that are there week in and week out. Uh, and as, uh, for me, as long as you're not like directly burying current talent, uh, all right, fine. But you're going to have these... I don't want to call it a gimmick match, but uh, these special special event matches that are there strictly to try to bring in people that aren't currently watching the product. Yeah. So. Um, the the last thing I'll say to this is he says, or is this gonna is this finally gonna be the year we get what we deserve? Look, dude, uh, 2019 we we got all face wins at WrestleMania. We got Seth Rollins beating the Beast. We got Becky two belts. We got Kofi Mania. We got what we wanted, and it kind of mm, well. They got to take the year. They got to take their foot off the gas at some point. Give us something to, to yeah. want again. So, but anywho, uh, just want to let's see what else did he say here. Uh, another question for Ian: Where is your bar located? I want to pass by with my wife. Thanks, love you guys. Uh, I've got two bars. I've got one in downtown Los Angeles, and I've got one out here in West Los Angeles. 
uh, right up the street from, from me, and you can DM me for more information. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you, Lionel. Uh, last but certainly not least, Marshall asks, in line to meet Sting as I'm typing this question. Nice! What what, what Why, wrestler, nice. wrestling personality have you met that you've always wanted to meet and who haven't you met that is on your bucket list? Uh, I know your answer. What? What's what's my answer? Go ahead, tell me. Well, you've always... What wrestler personality have you met that you always wanted to meet? Mick Foley. That is true. You got to... Yeah, you got to meet Foley. I Yeah, meet and hang out with Foley. That was, uh, yeah. that was actually um, a very big moment indeed. Um, as far as bucket list, I got to think about that. I mean, The Rock for me. Ooh. Bucket, bucket list is easy. Actually, hold on. Um, ha- for those having, of, having a beer, for those a beer of you, with Stone Cold. For those of you on YouTube, uh, let's see, there, there, there's me and the, me and the full Meister. Nice. Uh, trying to get to the light dead camp. There it is. YouTube.com slash Busted Wide Open yeah. if you're not watching yeah. live. Um, so he's meeting Sting. I guess that's one of his legends. That'd be uh, who, a good one. Gosh, Sting will be a good one. Uh, Sting was coming through North Carolina. It's, I can't remember. No, that was South Carolina. He was in Charleston. That must be where Marshall's I at. mean, bucket list, honestly, is an easy one for me. I want to have Ric Flair in my bar. I'd have to come to L.A. <laughs> you know, I'm st- I've, been, I've been agitating to get Stone Cold in. He lives down the street, and we carry his beer. We carry... Uh, Broken skull at the bar, so whenever it's available. So I've been nice new tap by the way. I've been ang- thank you very much. Uh, I've been angling to get him into the bar, so we'll see if that works out. But <laughs> obviously, you know. But yeah, it's it's it, that's his baby. That's his beer. You know, it, why wouldn't he want to come promote it? It's a good entry level IPA. Um, you always wanted to meet, and you have it. Yeah, it's the Rock Stone Cold Flair. I've actually met Flair. I was a kid. I met Charlotte. I think she was... I No, I was early 20. I saw them in a mall in Charlotte. Here's the story. And unfortunately, it was right around the time Reed had um, mm. left us. And it so it was not a very not a happy comfortable time. experience. Not a happy time. But they were in uh, South Park Mall in Charlotte in the early... I think Charlotte was like... Charlotte Flair, Ashley, was like 13. Something like, she was a little teenage girl. Braces, all kinds of stuff. But I, I saw Rick, and I was just like... Ugh. And I was, just, I think I was 22, 23, something at that point. Anyway, walked up to him, shook his hand, did a woo, and that was it. And they, and they, and they walked by. He's, he has, he had the entourage. Of course. And it wasn't like big security guards. Like he didn't have like 10 big shows walking around him. It was family. He was walking around with friends and family in the mall, joking, being the nature boy, being Rick, because he's Rick. Right. Would you, I mean, so I guess the other question I would have would be, I mean, with these guys, like, you know, say the guys that you want to meet, would you rather meet them at a meet and greet or like out in nature, as, as it were, like in the mall or walking? Well, around? meet and greets, you're going to drop 150 bucks to <laughs> meet them. But at least then they're right? being paid to give you attention. Whereas out in the wild, it's kind of like, ah, do I bother them in their day to day life? Like, I've seen people out in day to day life and I, I would feel bad going up to them. Because I don't want to, I don't want to interrupt their day. I know how that is. That sucks. Um, yeah, Andy mentioned in the chat he's a lot smaller. And I thought, yeah, he's like five nine, five ten. They're about everyone, something well, like that. They all are smaller. They're all, they're all like that. Uh, one that I, is not small that I've seen in person in L.A. I think I saw him in at the Grove or something like that. Is Batista? Yeah, Batista's a big boy. That dude. 
That's a big. Oh, boy. you want big boy, man? Back <laughs> when I was working security, I was stood. I was. I was stood between Shaquille O'Neal and Kevin Nash. I'm saying I Lord. felt like I've never Two felt seven like so much a child in my life. <laughs> Holy crap! I mean, I didn't come up to either of their shoulders. Wow. I'm not a small guy, and they they're just ginormous. So, <laughs> anyway. There you go. Marshall, thank you very much for the question. There's a lot of legends that I would absolutely love to. I wish I could have a broken skull session with Stone Cold where I host it and ask him stuff. <laughs> what would you that ask would be... Now, one, one question before we get out of here, Nick. What would be the one question like you have to ask Stone Cold on the, go, on the, on the, uh, the Busted Wide Broken Skull podcast? Why did you? Was it your idea to turn healer, Vincent? Yes, it was his idea. He's admitted before. I didn't know that. Okay. Um, he said it was it was a it was a mutual decision between all of them. He he also he endorsed it as well as everybody else. <laughs> um. God, I don't know. I'd have to say. Think about this. <laughs> There's so many. You know, you'd like to talk to him, but you'd have to think about it. Did you think you were actually going to be able to fit a beer truck down the ramp? Did you guys practice it, or was it just? Did I you don't just even do think, it because I, if you go back and watch it, it moves the whole Tron. Yeah, right. That was, like it lifts a, up the, the Tron. whole Tron swings out underneath the beer truck because he's he hits it right low bridge. Mm. Did you actually? Did you know or test the beer truck coming down the ramp? Did any? I would ask things about his his big moments. Like, did you? Did obviously Vince probably knew, but like, did anybody else in the ring know that you were going to be doing the the beer truck thing? Uh, stuff like that. I just, I've you know, watched fun so stuff many stuff that I have interviews that like I, I would be stumped on a question too because I've heard the answers to so many of them. You know what yeah. I mean? So, yeah. yeah. Well, we'll work those up. We'll work those up and get back to you guys on that. Yes. We'll 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 set up the new BWO Broken Skull show after the bet. Whatever. Thank you very much, Marshall. Broken, and thank you guys. Broken wide open show. <laughs> yeah, he's broken wide open. That's good. Call us. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Back to reality. Everybody. Back to reality. Back to your Saturday nights because that wraps it up. Thank you much, very much for all of, to all of our patrons for your support of this show and continuing every single week to make this a dream come true. We love you guys for it. Uh, thank you for helping us keep this, this operation running. And thank you for sending your questions in. These new original questions you guys keep coming up with every wow. single week. Fantastic. We love doing this. This is one of the favorite parts of this show that we love to do the most. Uh, and it because it, it you guys are genuine with your questions, and we love it. Uh, if you want to get in on some of this, patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for just that $5 tier because it will also not only allow you to get your listener questions in every single week, you get access to the show notes for every episode, and you get to participate in the upcoming Patron Pick'em's Challenge for Royal Rumble happening next weekend. Patrons, we will be getting the Pick'em Sheet out to you probably sometime during the day on Saturday because we need to see SmackDown to see what develops before we get to the Rumble. So just a little heads up there. We will have some unique prizes that we will announce on next Saturday's show as well for both the winners and the losers as that's most of the fun part. So keep in mind, remember, guys, we're all Rumbles next weekend. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's here already. Uh, so, yes, uh, make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel. Uh, thank you and shout out to everybody in chat for hanging out with us for this long, long Saturday Ooh show. Uh, if you'd like to get in, head over to YouTube.com slash Busted Wide Open. We do actually have a YouTube channel. We do? So you know. Oh. Yeah, we do. Oh, uh, much awesome. like Seth and, and Becky are dating, uh, we do We do also have a YouTube channel in they're, case you didn't know. They're dating? Uh, we're on that race to 1,000 subscribers about at the halfway point. Let's see if we can get there by Mania. And maybe we'll cook up something even more extravagant to do 
if we can get there once we get to WrestleMania. Uh, you can also find us over on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast. Facebook is the hub of our operation. Just search for Busted Wide Open. Like our page and send us a joint request to get in with the rest of the phenomenal ones and find the sticky post for our Discord server. You're going to want to be in there next Sunday for oh, Royal Rumble. I promise you, as well as live chats all throughout the week for AEW, NXT, Ring of Honor, NWA, all the good stuff. It's in there in our Discord. If you're watching on YouTube, you can find it in the links below or at orbitaljigsaw.com or pinned to any of our social media profiles. Oh, goodness. But my name is Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at DatacenterDude. I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But my God! Somebody stop the damn match! This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.